The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the September bonus episode number 138 with Edward Willett, the world shaper himself. Mr. Willett is a welcome return guest with two incredible new releases about to hit digital shelves and bookshelves alike. First up is book three of his World Shapers series, The Moonlit World, which is coming out here on September 15th, so just a few days away from right now. His reading is going to be from this book today, and it is an exciting one to say the least. Can't wait to share that with you. After that, we're going to hear about his Kickstarter anthology called Shapers of the World, featuring some of the best-selling and award-winning authors from his first year on his podcast. And that anthology is available September 22nd. So here in the next like 10 days or so, you're going to have two different um, incredible books from Edward Willett. Oh my gosh, they all sound incredible. So you want to make sure you click that link in the show notes for more about each one of them. Hey, we're gonna, you're going to hear us discussing both of these books, as well as his thoughts on building an anthology, the pitfalls of <laughs> transcription services, which is pretty funny. Uh, and uh, and also his thoughts on uh, that there is no one way to write a book. It's a very fun conversation, as always, and uh, of course, his reading you know, his readings are just incredible. Uh, he's definitely a pro at that, so all that's coming up here in just a moment. Uh, but as always, I want to thank my sponsors and podcast networks, starting with Pop Goes to Culture Network, home to all your pop culture news and fanfare, with their flagship show, Pop Culture Culture Podcast, Fanatics and the Fan, Backlock at the Alamo Draft House, The Way Awesome Show, The Amazing Nerd Show, Fellowship of the Geeks, and more. It's a great place for you to find all things geek culture, nerd culture, and in pop culture entertainment. So click that link in the show notes for more from them. Secondly, I want to thank Project Entertainment Network home to more than 35 different shows, uh, shows like Necrocasticon, Vicious Whispers, The Lunch Ladies Book Club, The Unsupervised Podcast, Staring into the Abyss, Madness Heart Radio, Gutting the Sacred Cow, (laughs) and A Glint of Mischief, and so much more. Some really, really great shows. Check out this advertisement for one of those incredible shows from the Project Entertainment Network. The Necrocasticon, where we blend horror and heavy metal for your pleasure and ours. Featuring interviews with the stars of heavy metal, horror, and more. With host speculative fiction author and journalist Thomas R. Clark, YouTube sensation Mr. Scott Reacts, foodie and metal historian, smoking walled ball, the Spartan warrior, Sergeant Fury, Dan Roberts, and our guy on the couch, Uncle Skip. Cause we all need a guy on the couch. Oh, and me, Charlotte, your virtual hostess. Available Mondays, wherever you find your fine-ass podcasts. All right, click that link in the show notes for more about that show and all of the other shows at the Project Entertainment Network. You won't be sorry that you did. I also want to thank this week's sponsor, Scribner, my favorite writing software. There's not a whole lot more that I can say 
outside of what you're about to hear in this commercial. So listen up for all the details and how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, yes, thank you so much to Scrivener. Uh, you know, it's not just, uh, that's not me just blowing smoke whenever I say that they are my favorite writing software. I do use them every day. So if you are interested in writing, make sure you check out that coupon code and get started today. Hey, as always, with uh, the bonus episodes, I try to keep things short. But uh, first off, I do want to thank a couple of reviewers I just became aware of. Uh, a couple of great, some fantastic reviews I just found on Apple iTunes. Uh, they were extremely nice ratings and, and comments that they left behind. Uh, Big Bad 30 and Greg925. They're on the Apple iTunes, left me some really fantastic uh, five-star ratings. And I really appreciate you listening to the show. I'm really happy that you are finding a lot of value out of every episode. And uh, thank you. Hey, if uh, if you are enjoying the show, I do want to invite you to uh, please do the same on your favorite podcast player. Leave a uh, rating and review. Let me know what you think. If you'd rather just reach out to me personally, you can do so through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. And you can uh, tell me what you think of the show, or if you have some recommendations, maybe you have an author recommendation, then drop me a line there. Or you can always give me a call and uh, leave a voicemail at 660-851-1146. And uh, yeah, if you uh, leave me a great leave me a great comment, I'll make sure and play it on an upcoming episode. Hey, without further ado, let's get on over to our wonderful conversation with the world shaper himself, Edward Will it? Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back for another exciting episode where I get the privilege of welcoming back a, uh, a previous guest from episode 89, Edward Willett. Edward Willett is an award-winning author of science fiction, fantasy, nonfiction for both children and adults. He's the author or co-author of more than 60 books, ranging from computer books to nonfiction titles for both children and adults to science fiction and fantasy for all ages. He's a multiple award winner and nominee. He is also the host of the World Shapers podcast, which is a show that I love listening to as well, and you need to do. And he has one hell of a singing voice. Welcome back <laughs> to the show, Edward Willett. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I got lots of wonderful comments about uh, about your singing last time with the little you did uh, a bit from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> so, but everybody loved it. They thought that was fantastic. <laughs> well, how are you doing? And are you staying healthy amidst uh, the the craziness that's around the world right now? 
Oh yeah, it hasn't changed uh, too much for me since I work. I was writer in residence at the Saskatoon Public Library when it all started, and I've been going up there every week and meeting authors in my office. And all that's all that changed was that I did everything virtually for about two and a half months. And I actually made more money because I didn't have to have a hotel room once a week. <laughs> <laughs> so I just stayed home and did it. And so, yeah, the only, the big change was for a while my wife was working at home and she took over my office. So oh, I, yes. that was a change. But, and of course my daughter came back from university and she's been here all summer. So we've had lots of family time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's healthy and it's not, it's not, uh, it's been pretty good here in Saskatchewan. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So uh, the uh, World Shapers podcast still doing fantastic. You've had some wonderful interviews on there. We were talking before the show. Uh, one of the uh, one of the more recent ones that I got to, a chance to catch on to was Brian Thomas Schmidt, uh, which it, I just love it whenever I get to hear on another podcast about an author in my own area that I didn't know anything about. So that's always cool. Yeah, and he's uh, he's uh, right there in Kansas City or environs and uh, writes uh, kind of future future police thrillers in a way <laughs> a near future and so he uses a lot of real locations so i thought that was kind of cool too yeah yeah this was like october last year that we uh, we last talked do you have an episode since october that uh, something that's really particularly stood out to you since october of last year there's been so many <laughs> um i don't know i've talked to so many amazing authors people like uh, you know the e schwab and uh David Brin and Tad Williams and those, some of the biggest names in the field have been kind enough to give me their time. And uh, I've got some more coming up. I've got Corey Doctorow on tap, uh, F. Paul Wilson, um, James Morrow. These are some other big names. So pretty much anybody I reach out to anymore will will say, uh, sure, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> and I, I'm actually at the point now where I have publicists, of course, reaching out to me to to have authors so i'm i'm having to do a little less digging stuff is just uh handed to me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good feeling that's uh whenever they're reaching out to you and you don't have to work as hard to say please come on then that's great but i mean even prior to that i mean you got orson scott scott card and john scalzi and tosca lee some some really big names prior to that so i mean you're doing quite well it's really good to see yeah, it's been great, and uh, most of them have, not all, because sometimes I haven't been able to commit the time to it, but most of them have full transcripts on the website as well, so for people who would rather read the interviews than listen to them, uh, you can find most of them in full transcript. Um, there's a handful that aren't there. Some are just show notes, and some, when I got really behind, I just put up the episode. <laughs> I need to go back and do transcripts, but the, even using, I use an automated transcription service, and uh, that still takes probably four or five hours of editing because the transcription service has is not perfect yeah. <laughs> and you have to be careful what it has the author saying if you don't if you don't edit it <laughs> there was one that turned out i don't remember what author it was and i don't remember what i think it was a he what he was actually saying but the transcription software rendered it as not getting enough sex and i'm quite sure that was not <laughs> what, he, what he had said <laughs> Yeah, I've, so you have, you have to be I, I've experimented a little bit with it, uh, just doing little headliner videos, like one, two-minute headliner um, videos, clips of the show, and I, I've done a couple of those where I did the, the had the, had that under so people could follow along and read it, but oh, gosh, it was I, I spent almost as much time editing that as I would a full episode. Yeah, the one I use is called, uh, if anybody's interested, it's called Sonics. It's uh, Sonics.ai is the website. And it actually does, if you have a clear recording, like it sounds like this one would be, for example, um, it actually does 
pretty good. Pretty good. But it's never perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time, we one of the things you said that stood out to me was you talked about idea generation being a muscle that needs exercise. Do you find um, being a podcaster yourself and getting to interview all these authors, that that helps stimulate your mind for uh, for your books that you're writing? Um, in a way. I mean, just talking to other authors reminds you that there are other people that, you know, as writers, we're all trying to solve the same problems all the time. We're trying to solve that problem of taking this thing that's in our head and communicating it to other people using words. Mm -hmm. And we're all dealing with how to plan things out and how to, uh, you know, revision. All the, all the things I talk about on the podcast are just the common tasks of anybody who wants to be a writer. And I, I find that talking to other authors is stimulating in that it just reminds me that there are other people, you know, struggling if they are struggling. We all struggle in some ways with some of the same things and uh, it, it's refreshing to hear other people's take on that. And also it's a reminder that if you think you're doing something and it's kind of odd and nobody else does it that way, that's fine because everybody does it different. <laughs> I actually think that's one of the best things about the, the podcast is learning that, you know, all these best selling authors, there's no formula they're following. They're all, they're all doing it their own way. You know, some of them are huge outliners, uh, Peter V. Brett, uh, author of the demon cycle, told me he does 150 page outlines and then sort of just fills in. And then somebody like Kendara Blake, best-selling YA author. She said she kind of just starts, <laughs> sees what happens. Uh, there are some that write sequentially, probably most, but there are others that do this kind of, you know, doing scenes and then knitting them together. There's, there's no one way to do it. And I think that's maybe one of the most important things you can get from the podcast is that uh, whatever works for you can work. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah, and that that's been I, I I've had the same experience where it's just getting the the chance to talk to them and hear this is what they do and everything is just is so fascinating to me to hear all the different methods and then you talk to somebody else and they're like oh I just don't know how if, if I'm going to be able to do this right or do it justice I'm like ah just try <laughs> try different things because it's they all work in some way for different people I, I don't know just having the podcast has definitely been a a great outlet and uh, inform me in ways I never expected. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you've also, one of the things you've also been working on is a fantastic tie-in, the Shapers of the World Anthology. Uh, tell us about this. What What is this? Yeah, Shapers of Worlds. Uh, it was uh, an idea I had. I, I own a little publishing company called Shadowpaw Press. And uh, as a result of that, I'm part of SAS Books, which is the organization of publishers here in Saskatchewan. There aren't a lot of us, but there are some, and we do have an organization. And at the annual general meeting last year, in April 2019, there was a uh, uh, publisher from Winnipeg came in who had successfully kickstarted an anthology to the tune of $100,000, I might add. Oh. She had she had connections in the comics industry, and of course, kickstarters are really big in the comics world. Uh, so I was listening to that and I thought, hey, I have a podcast and I know some authors. So I hemmed and hawed a bit because it was a bit of a, you know, I'd never done a Kickstarter and it was a bit of a scary thing. But I reached out to authors in the from the first year of the podcast because I had to cut it off somewhere. And, you know, that was 30 people or something. And I asked, uh, you know, would you be interested in contributing either an original story or a reprint to an anthology if I could successfully kickstart it? And uh, a lot of them came back and said yes. So uh, I 
finally in no no let's see it was earlier that yeah <laughs> right it was march nothing else happened in march right <laughs> in march i decided to launch this and uh and it was successful. I raised, uh, I set my goal at 13,500 Canadian, which was right around 10,000 US. And I raised 15,700 Canadian and I was able to pay professional rates to the authors. I got, uh, roughly half and half original fiction and, uh, and reprints. So I've got, uh, original fiction from Sean and McGuire, Tanya Huff, David Weber, uh, Ellie Modisett Jr., D.J. Butler, Christopher Rocchio, John C. Wright, Shelley Adina, and some hack named Edward Willett. <laughs> and then I've got uh, reprints from John Scalzi, Joe Haldeman, David Brand, Julia Shaneda, Fonda Lee, Gareth L. Powell, Derek Kunskin, Dr. Charles E. Gannon, and Thorea Dyer. So it's about 364 pages of uh, science fiction and fantasy. And among those authors, when I added it up, there were award winners or nominees for every major award in the field. And, of course, several of those people are are national or international bestsellers. So I was just really thrilled with how it all came together. And the authors were all a joy to work with. And it's it's out there. The Kickstarter version is being printed now uh, for the backers. The ebook is available for pre-order from any retailer, pretty much. Amazon, Apple, Google Play, all of that right now. And uh, the print, the commercial print edition will come out in a couple of months, November 14th. There's more delay time there because of, you know, printing and stuff <laughs> and mailing and distrib- distribution. I have a distributor lined up for that, so uh, it should get out into more bookstores than perhaps it would if I were doing my usual print-on-demand uh, kind of approach. So, yeah, Shapers of Worlds, I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, love the stories, and it was as it was, I, I discovered I like sending money to other authors because it wasn't my money. I'd raised it, right? It wasn't like I had to dig into my own credit card or something to pay them. I, I loved sending money to people like Joe Haldeman. If you told me as a teenager reading Forever War that someday I would be editing an anthology with a, a story by Joe Haldeman in it and I would be you know, contracting Joe Haldeman and sending him money for a story that I was reprinting, I would have thought that'll never happen, but it did. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds incredible! And and this comes out uh, later this month, you said? Yeah, ebook September twenty second. Uh, you can pre order it now, and uh, the print will be November fourteenth. That doesn't show up as a pre order yet because it's still working its way through the distributor and everything. But uh, the ebook September twenty second, and print should be November fourteenth. Fantastic! Oh my gosh, this sounds incredible. I'm yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, it's being added to my uh, to my <laughs> wish list right now. So that I sounds think people incredible. really enjoy it. I've read it multiple times now, and I still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, at the same time, you've also been working uh, in the World Shaper world. The, you had the World Shapers one and two. Last time we got to hear from Master of the World. How's the uh, World Shaper universe going? I'm really enjoying working in this uh, universe. Um, it's the whole idea of it was that I could tell any kind of story I could come up with. So we've had the first one was kind of an, you know, set in our world. So it was a bit of a, a, a chase book, really, across a version of our world that was kind of changing around my main character as she went because she'd lost control of this world that she'd shaped. And then Master of the World was a lot of fun. It was set in a Jules Verne world, you might remember, and it had uh, airships and, uh, you know, submarines and all that kind of stuff. And then this one, The Moonlit World, which comes out September 15th, uh, is, uh, well, my working title for a long time was 
vampires and werewolves and peasants. Oh my. <laughs> Cause it's that kind of world. So it's vampires and werewolves and peasants. <laughs> I love the concept. I love how every book is a different world and a different setting. And it is so amazing. I mean, you could really continue this for quite some time, just as much as your imagination would run. My favorite thing about it is that, uh, the way it, you know, Shauna Keys shaped her world. She's the main character about 10 years ago in real terms. So, but any pop culture reference that's more than 10 years old, which works out for somebody who's old like me, <laughs> uh, she can, she can make. So it is full of Star Wars jokes and Star Trek. There's a line where the worst thing about visiting, uh, other worlds was that nobody gets your Star Trek jokes was one of the lines I had. <laughs> and, uh, in this one, there's, you know, Dracula shows up in here and there's, there's you know it's just anything that I wanted that I could put in there so Shauna has a lot of my sense of humor uh, which I hope is a good thing she's certainly fun to write and I hope people find her fun to, to read it's mostly first person not entirely uh, so you're mostly getting her take on things oh my goodness so and and uh, this is the one you were saying this is the uh, werewolves and such uh, tell us more about uh, Moonlit World well, in the last one, they, they, they came out of, uh, the Jules Verne world together. She kind of misplaced her guide, uh, Carl Yatzer, in the last one, but they're together this time. And, uh, they're not far from this castle with big bat-like things flying around them. Hmm. And next thing they know, some of those bat-like things are coming over to see what's going on where they are hiding out in this ruined farm. So they decide maybe they, they're not quite ready to face them. Uh, for some reason, Carl, who can normally tell where the shaper of the world is, they have to get to the shaper and get the, the hakma, the wisdom of the shaper, so that uh, Shauna can take that to Agrair, who's this mysterious woman at the center of this labyrinth of shaped worlds. That's the overarching plot, is trying to get knowledge of these worlds to Agrair to save the labyrinth of shaped worlds from the adversary who came in and took over Shauna's world in the first book. Uh, so they, they flee, and then uh, they don't get too far before they run into what looks suspiciously like werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> And then they get separated. They're always getting separated. And uh, Shauna has to figure out what's going on. They have to find the shaper of this world. They have to gather the hakma of that shaper. That's uh, actually a Hebrew word for wisdom, which is what I use for the knowledge of the world. Huh. And they have to get out of the world, escape the world. So that's that's kind of what's going on. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of being chased by this and that, and threats, and you know. People getting eaten and things like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> ne at least it's never a good day when you get eaten. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds amazing! And that's the uh, the Moonlit World, which is the book we're going to be hearing from today. Gosh, that sounds incredible. My eleventh novel for Daw Books, which uh, quite surprises me when I I add them all up. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to step back for one second here because I also was just looking uh, looking over some recent books, and you just had, uh, I don't know, it looks like an entire series, the Shards of Excalibur books. Yeah, that was one that was published by a uh, local publisher, Kato Books, which was a, a well-respected literary publisher. In, uh, and that was the first time they ever committed to a five-book series from one author was when they took that. And uh, it's a modern-day young adult uh, fantasy series, uh, basically – it starts right here in Regina, and this teenage girl uh, hears singing from Wascana Lake, which is this artificial lake in the middle of the city. And uh, next thing she knows, she's meeting the Lady of the Lake from King Arthur, and the Lady of the Lake tells her that she's now the Lady of the Lake if she'll accept the power of the Lady of the Lake, and that she needs to go find the scattered uh, shards of Excalibur before Merlin can. He's like the bad guy 
mm. in the series and and his modern day guys as Rex Major who is a kind of a Bill Gates Steve Jobs computer magnet kind of guy he runs a big company called Excalibur Computer Systems <laughs> And uh, he has his magic out through the internet, which which is very helpful in a YA book because it means that the kids can't can't use smartphones very much because they'll get found. So I was able to you know <laughs> get rid of that whole problem of being able to text each other all the time and things like that. Um, and then they they end up oh there's a there's a boy a Wally Knight who seems by accident but not really to be um, there at the same time when uh, when Ariane that's the girl gets her. Her quest, and then the, the overarching story is finding the five shards of Excalibur, and she has through magic they can travel around the world, and so the the story takes them. In the first book, they go to the Northwest Territories to a diamond mine, and second book they're in the south of France, and the third book the main setting is uh, New Zealand, and the fourth book it's the Caribbean, and the fifth book it's Scotland, and then they come back. They always come back to Saskatchewan, so it has lots of. It's sort of like uh, Brian Thomas Schmidt using. Uh, Kansas City. I use lots of Saskatchewan <laughs> in these books. And unfortunately, Cato Books went bankrupt earlier this year, uh, oh. which meant the, the rights reverted to me. So I've put out the series in uh, brand new ebook editions and took the opportunity to fix this and that. And uh, so they're out now also from Shadowpaw Press and available from any online retailer. Shadowpaw Press, by the way, is shadowpawpress.com. It's named after our cat, Shadowpaw. <laughs> And uh, I, I will eventually have new print editions. Um, however, I currently have a lot of print stock because I was able to pick up, you know, uh, books in stock at a very low price. So I, I've got probably 100 copies of each book in the series in print right now. So I don't feel a huge a rush to get a new <laughs> new print copies out. Uh, I will mostly sell them at, you know, conventions and things. And uh, mm-hmm. there aren't any of those happening right now. So they're just sitting around. But Hopefully we get back to that. So yeah, that's the the Shards of Excalibur. It was one of my favorite series to write, and I'm uh, I was glad to uh, be able to keep it going. Yeah, yeah, that sounds incredible. You know, and I I've seen where some authors have actually uh, same in the same situation. They they you know got a, a nice supply of books uh, preparing for the upcoming season, and then of course you know everything got canceled. Uh, so I've seen a lot of authors, and maybe this would be an idea for it. Uh, they've been running specials on their websites to. Uh, buy you know a couple of these books and I'll sign them for you and ship them off, uh, send them off uh, personalized like that. Well, I have uh, put the print on sale um, considerably from its cover price, so I've sort of done that on. Uh, I think I've done it on Shadowpaw Press. I also have. <laughs> I have a lot of websites. I also <laughs> have a uh, an online store called uh, the Fantastic Worlds of Edward Willett, uh, which is Edward Willett Shop. Dot com as opposed to my regular website which is just edwardwillett.com and i do uh you know people can order uh, autographed copies uh, through that it's usually the shipping that makes them unattractive because it costs 15 to 20 dollars to ship a book that i might sell for 10 so oh yeah uh, there's no cheap way to ship and unlike amazon i can't offer free shipping to prime it <laughs> i wouldn't make any money at all <laughs> well see then everybody just needs to go ahead and buy the entire shards of excelber Excalibur series so that they save on shipping instead of one book at a time. Just buy the whole series and then condense the uh, the shipping. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be cheaper. Yeah, there's a there's a built-in calculator that uh, from Canada Post that calculates the shipping. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it would be. Nobody has ordered the – actually, that's not true. Somebody did order all five books, but I think I hand-delivered it because they were here in town. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, Edward, again, this has been just fantastic. I love getting to uh, to catch up with uh, with previous guests, and uh, you're fantastic. I, I I love your show. I love getting to check out your books, and uh, I really look forward to diving into uh, the Moonlit World uh, coming up soon. I thank you. I hope lots of people dive into it. That'd be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, now you just mentioned your websites, but uh, where can people find and follow you uh, once again? My main website is edwardwillett.com, two T's on Willett, W-I-L-L-E-T-T. I always have to make that point. Uh, my shop is edwardwillettshop.com. My press is shadowpawpress.com. The aforementioned Shards of Excalibur has its own website, shardsofexcalibur.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at eWillett. I'm on Instagram. Well, I'm not terribly active, but I do post pictures once in a while. At Edward Willett Author. I'm on Facebook at edward.willett. And that's probably the main things. All right. Fantastic. And, uh, of course, we'll always have links to all of this in the show notes. Everybody, so you can check that out. And uh, I'll, I'll make sure and put a link on there, too, so you can go and check out the World Shapers podcast. Yeah, I was so, going to say, I forgot that one. Worldshapers.com. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun catching up with you. And, uh Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it's time for me to hand the floor over to my guest, Edward Willett, with Moonlit World, Book 3 of the World Shapers. Thank you. Not only is this Book 3 of the World Shapers, this is Chapter 3 of Book 3 that I will be reading. Snarls and howls and blood-curdling shrieks pursued us up the steep, shale-strewn slope, which I guess was better than being pursued by the things making the snarls and howls and blood-curdling shrieks, although I was pretty sure they would be pursuing in short order. My breath came in short gasps as I struggled uphill in Carl's wake. The trees were sparse, and the flat black rocks shifted and slid beneath us, sliding downhill with an almighty racket that ensured the creatures below knew we were above them. The sounds of battle dwindled to nothing. Silence reigned behind us. It wasn't as comforting as you might think. At least there's moonlight, I thought, glancing up. Here, there's always moonlight. The stars around the moon looked normal, the constellations the ones I knew from my world, presumably the same as those in the first world. Though from what Carl had said, these stars weren't really stars at all, just a very large-scale stage backdrop to give this pocket universe, this cosmological cul-de-sac, the illusion of infinity. My thoughts returned abruptly to Earth, this version of it anyway, as a rather large boulder dislodged by Carl came bounding toward me. My apologies, he said over his shoulder. No worries, I said, with a soupçon, perhaps even a dash of sarcasm. The rock leaped and crashed down the slope behind us for a good fifteen seconds. And then, suddenly, the slope eased. Ahead of me, Carl straightened, walked a few paces, and stopped. I scrambled up onto the level ground where he stood. Together, we looked at what lay beyond the ridge. Wow, I said at last, succinctly put. We stood just a few feet from a sharp drop-off. Spread out before us was more of the valley, a lot more of the valley. It stretched as far as I could see, which was pretty far in the omnipresent moonlight. Fields, forests, rivers, ponds, and hills tumbled away into the indistinct distance. Directly below us lay a lake, smooth as glass, reflecting the brightest stars and the moon back to us as though it were a mirror. Fields surrounded it, and unlike most of those we'd passed through, appeared cultivated. We could only see half of the lake from our vantage point. We'd have to get closer to the edge to see the rest. Carl reached for my hand, which surprised me, and I took it, which surprised me even more. For safety, he said. I'm all for safety. Together, we edged forward until we stood at the lip of a cliff that might not have been perfectly sheer, but was within spitting distance of it, 
although said spit would fall a long, gut-clinching distance before it hit anything. Directly below us, on the near shore of the lake, stood a village, a cluster of buildings surrounded by a wall of pale stone that shone in the moonlight. A few yellow lights burned here and there. Other than the castle, it was the first inhabited place we'd seen since entering this world, and considering what had come out of the castle, I thought it reasonable to worry about what might live in the village. But a howl sounded behind us, answered by one of those weird, blood-chilling screams. The werewolves and maybe vampires were still abroad, and they had to know we'd climbed the ridge. The village had a wall around it. Behind a wall sounded exactly like where I wanted to be. So, there is a path, Carl said. I glanced at him. He wasn't looking at the village, and following his gaze, I saw what he had seen. Two wooden posts with a gap between them, and, sure enough, what looked like the beginning of a trail. He released my hand and walked carefully over to the posts. I followed. He held onto one post, and I held onto the other, and together we peered over the edge. The path descended a couple of hundred feet, switched back, descended another hundred or so, and continued in that fashion on down the rock face. Trees rose between the switchbacks. It looked steep, but not too terrifying. Another howl. At least, no more terrifying than whatever was coming up the slope behind us. I think we should take our chances with the village below, Carl said. Do you agree? Fervently. We started down. You might think, if you have never been pursued through the mountains by monsters, that going down a hill is easier than going up one. You would be almost right. It's less wear and tear on the heart and lungs, and more wear and tear on the legs, which start to ache in short order and keep on aching. It turns out holding your body back to keep from tumbling headlong is hard work. But that's what we had to do, because the slope of the path we followed definitely did not adhere to building code requirements for a wheelchair ramp. After ten minutes, I would have welcomed a mountainside to climb. After fifteen, I would have welcomed a sharp blow to the head to put me out of my misery. But the path went on and on and on. Every once in a while, a howl or a shriek rent the air, but they were far enough in the distance that they were only mildly alarming, as opposed to breathtakingly terrifying. Not long after we began the descent, I realized it wasn't as dark as it had been, that the sky had begun to lighten and the stars to dim. On the one hand, that was a relief, because as day began, based on the previous night's experience, the maybe vampires would disappear. If the howling things were werewolves, presumably they'd run off as well. Of course, if they weren't werewolves, but just regular, if somewhat oversized and glowing-eyed wolves, they might actually prefer the light, in which case we were about to be exposed to everyone, or everything, in the valley, including whoever was in the walled village. Smoke now rose from buildings inside the walls, one of which had the unmistakable cruciform shape, not to mention the tall bell tower, of a church, which was interesting. Did this world have Christian churches? I hope so, I thought. In the last world, Robur, the Shaper, had set up a religion that worshipped the Shaper, which was all kinds of ick for my taste. However, Robur was not only merely dead, but really most sincerely dead, so it wasn't like pretending to be a god had translated into actual godhood. In my world, I'd copied over all the religions of the first world. I myself had grown up going to Sunday school. If this world had some version of Christianity, I'd feel right at home. Also, a village with a church seemed unlikely to be friendly to either undead bloodsuckers or flesh-eating lycanthropes, so there was that. We paused to rest our aching, or at least my aching, legs. I looked back the way I'd come. Nothing. I looked down at the village. They're stirring down there, I said. Traditionally, people seen from a height are said to look like ants, but we weren't quite that high, so I thought they looked more like cockroaches as they moved through the streets in the village square. There was no sign they had seen us. Carl looked up at the brightening sky. Between the devil and the deep blue sea, he said, almost to himself. Rock in a hard place, I put in, out of the frying pan, into the fire, torn between two lovers. 
Carl gave me a look I was becoming accustomed to, equal parts annoyance and, well, annoyance. A touch of amusement would have been a nice change, but I suppose the last of my examples, though it predated my birth, had postdated him by decades. Since we're pretty sure the things chasing us are on the side of the devil, I hurried on, I suggest we opt for the deep blue sea, or at least the smooth black lake, I pointed down. A blood-curdling streak came from behind us and above us. I twisted my head around. Two of the winged things burst into sight, black cutouts of giant bats against the pale sky. Run, Carl shouted, leaping to his feet. Below us, I heard faint shouts. The cockroaches, villagers, had obviously spotted the vampires, too, if that's what they were. Carl and I charged down the trail, or charged as fast as we could, without tumbling head over heels and either breaking our necks or plunging to our deaths. Unfortunately, that wasn't very fast at all. Certainly not fast enough. Another shriek, almost on top of us. Carl glanced up. His eyes widened. Then he twisted, grabbed me, and pushed me off the ledge. For a horrifying instant, I thought he had murdered me. I screamed as I plunged to a relatively soft landing on my back in the thick, leafy branches of a tree that thrust out from the slope, maybe eight feet below. Staring up wide-eyed, heart-pounding, I saw the flying thing swoop down on Carl, grab his arms. They had arms themselves, as well as wings, and legs too, and didn't that make them six-limbed? And pulled him into the sky. I saw his pale face staring down at me as, without a word, he dwindled away and vanished along with his captors over the top of the cliff in the direction of the castle. I thrashed, struggling to pull free of the branches that had snagged me, but they gave alarmingly and dropped me another couple of feet, bringing my heart into my throat. I gasped, quit struggling, and hung there, helpless as a fly in a spider's web. I had nowhere to look but back up the side of the rock face we had so laboriously descended, and just then, at the very top, I saw, staring down at me, one of the wolves, both like and unlike the one that I had seen when I'd opened the portal the first time, unlike in that it was smaller and slenderer, like in that its eyes glowed the baleful red of hellfire. I gulped. It stared down at me for a long, very long, nearly eternal moment, and then it started loping down the path toward me. My heart had not exactly settled from the falling-off-a-cliff surge of adrenaline, and now it redoubled its efforts to break free of my ribcage. I stared up at the wall of stone. I couldn't see the wolf on the switchbacks leading down to me, which was actually worse than if I had been able to see it, because I knew I'd have no warning before the wolf's head suddenly thrust out over the edge of the path. It glared at me with burning red eyes, a glow from within. It crouched and inched closer until its front claws hung over the edge, Still several feet above me, but all it had to do was leap, and I'd be puppy chow. Except suddenly it startled, head snapping up and looking to its left, my right. It yelped and scrambled back onto the path, turned to run, and I heard a meaty thunk. The wolf screamed, a disquieting howl of agony that suddenly became a hundred times more disquieting as it morphed into a human scream, as the creature reared on its hind legs and transformed into a naked girl, clawing at the crossbow bolt in her side, blood pouring down her pale flank and hip and thigh. And then she collapsed, falling out of my sight. Oh my goodness, that was incredible. Man, what an amazing series. That was Edward Willett reading a sample chapter from his new book, Moonlit World. The book is available in just a couple of days. It comes up on September 15th, so make sure you grab a copy of that. Pre-order it right now. You also want to pre-order his next book that's getting ready to come out, Shapers of the World Anthology. Click the link in the show notes for both of those and more about Mr. Willett. And uh, don't forget to also click those links for our podcast friends and sponsors alike. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I'm back with a brand new author, a new book, and an all-new sample chapter. 
and we'll see you again real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.